of cyclists had been killed while trying to take a pregnant lady to hospital or something or the other. But then someone had to be able to get to this woman. Dr. Jemima has this fire in her that that's always burning, a fire that I believe there is no obstacle that would be large enough to put out that fire. We have gotten to where we are now, that we've helped more than 10,000 women in terms of consultation and dispatch. Sub-Saharan Africa has the world's highest maternal mortality rate, while access to health facility-based birth has improved in recent years Many women still give birth at home without a skilled attendant. And the COVID-19 pandemic has made it even harder for pregnant women to access critical health facilities. This is Africa Science Focus and I'm your host Sally Amutabi. In March 2020, when the Kenyan government announced a task to don curfew, medics in Kenyatta National Hospital, Nairobi, began to see an increase in maternal mortality and distressing bathing complications. Our reporter Michael Kaloki hears how Dr. Jemima Kariuki, who specializes in maternal and child health, first noticed the pattern and took the matter into her own hands. Okay, so I'm out here on the streets of uh, Nairobi. I'm uh, just about to make my way to meet Dr. Jemima Karaoke. Dr. Jemima Karaoke is a medical resident at the University of Nairobi. And Dr. Karaoke has set up a project called Wheels for Life. And basically what it does, it offers assistance to pregnant women. For example, providing women in labor with transport to a health facility. So anyway, I'm off to talk to Dr. Karaoke to find out more about herself and about her project, Wheels for Life. It's just on the first floor of this building, so I didn't have far to walk. Okay, I think this is it. Holly. Oh, hello. Hello, Hi, doctor. How are you? How are you? Good, good. Have okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. This is uh, your new Wheels for Life office. Yes, we're just finishing up on the setup. Michael has come to find out more about Wheels for Life and how Dr. Kariuki's grassroots project responds to pregnancy-related late-night medical emergencies during the government's strictly enforced curfew. Yes, yeah, so um, I had seen this uh, medic write about five patients coming in with retain placenta, which indicates that there was a problem in the third stage of um, labor, that there was no active management. Those women are not able to get to hospital. Then on the newspaper, I saw now that a lady had died while giving birth alone somewhere. So that combination of what I was seeing in the hospital and what I was seeing now on social media like I was very upset. I was really, really upset. And in my headspace, something had to be done. Um, listening to whichever county official that was, just talking about we have given more people jobs and we have given, we have given enough PPEs and therefore there should not be a problem. And as I listened, I realized there was a disconnect between what was going on the ground and what they thought up there. 
And knowing the bureaucracies of anything um, in government, I knew it would take too long, and women already dying. And I remember having thoughts of, I have a vehicle, I have a medical pass, maybe I can now go and help. To which both my mentor and my father told me not to attempt, because <laughs> I was just stupid. Um, so my initial goal was to inform women that these are the signs of labor. If you see them, don't wait for night. Please go early. So when I put that tweet up, I got over 40 calls the first day, the next day, the day afterwards. That was just calls. I had tweets. I had um, phone messages. I had WhatsApp messages. So I spent the next three days just replying to different anxious women. And the main issue was just anxiety. I think it was on the fourth or fifth day that was called by a woman now stranded. I think it was 9 p.m. They had gone to hospital, but then they're being told to go back home because they're not dilated and they don't have means. As I was navigating through that in my mind, another one calls who's now actively in labor in a different location completely, also needing to go to hospital. This one now needed to go to hospital. Then a third one called. And I now very quickly had to adapt to, okay, even if I thought I was going to go with my car, I can't be in different locations at the same time. So gratefully, some cab drivers had reached out that they wanted to help. So I remember calling one and he traveled a good 40 kilometers to get to that patient and take them to hospital. And um, that was our first victory because that lady got to hospital at 3 a.m. So when they got to the ward, within 30 minutes, that baby was out. And it was such a miracle because it was a big boy. It was 4.1 or 2 kgs. And how does it work practically? Say, for example, I'm a woman in labor in my house in residential neighborhood of Nairobi and I want to reach out to Wheels for Life for assistance. What do I do? What happens? It's very easy. Um, as a pregnant woman, at your home, you call 1196, which is a toll-free number. It goes to the call center from which the call center dispatches to the medical doctors. And then as the medical team, we will talk you through, find out where you are, find out how you're doing. Now we've ascertained you're actually in labor and we think that you would need to go to hospital immediately because either from your symptoms, you sound like you're due in like an hour or two, or you sound like you may need, uh, there's still some progress to go, but you're better off in a hospital. So that will help us decide, are we sending an ambulance or are we sending a cab? And uh, based on your location, the closest vehicle to you is the one that reaches you and takes you to your hospital of choice. So if you wanted, if you're doing your clinics, maybe at the Aga Khan Hospital and you're all the way in Mwiki, for example, we wouldn't take you to the nearest hospital if you wanted to go to the Aga Khan. Just over a year on from that initial tweet, Wills for Life has responded to 120,000 phone calls and dispatched 1,200 cabs and an additional 900 ambulances. So, 
during the pandemic, is it safe to say this project has had an impact on the lives of pregnant women residing in Nairobi? Significantly, because even now, uh, we don't have vehicles past 10 p.m. Um, we don't have licensed vehicles to be on the road, but because of the program and the goodwill of the government, we've been able to have our own cabs be given the license to, to actually drive around and transport pregnant women as long as it's a pregnant woman in the car. <laughs> and that means that every night we dispatch about five, five women, and that means we have saved 10 lives if you count the baby. And now we've been able to move to other counties, um, Nyeri, Kiambo, um, Nakuru, Wasengishu. And in these counties, Machakos, and in these counties, we've had to travel like a distance of three hours to get to someone sometimes. And they wait because there's no option. But in that transit time, we have our doctors speaking to the mother, so that we can be able to, to locate them and also kind of guide them through whatever the process is. I have actually had to conduct a delivery over the phone. Jemima, what is the future for Wheels for Life beyond the pandemic? We would want to see it continue. Um, in a more sustainable fashion, yes, but we want to see a platform where women do not have to think about uh, where am I going, how am I going to get to hospital, or what can I do at 3 a.m. and I have a question for a medical doctor. So if we can be able to provide that platform, that they are always sure that there's someone at the other end of the phone call, I think we'll have um, achieved our goal because pregnancy is a very um, confusing period of time. Having been one during the COVID pandemic, it really helped to be able to call someone and ask, okay, okay, what's going on here? All right. And I have the foreknowledge of being in the obstetric field. So you can imagine someone who's completely blank. So um, having patients who can call and ask, do I take the vaccine or do I, what do I do? What meals are important um, over and above their clinic attendance, especially if it's something that happens at night, then we're here to help. And then, of course, transport and dispatch is something that is very key because we want to prevent second delays um, to getting to hospitals. And it's a model that we are currently working on as a team. And once we do it, we'll let you guys know. Okay, so I'm just leaving Dr. Karioki's office. And I'm making my way now to meet Mudoni Muritu. Mudoni Muritu is a medical student at the University of Nairobi. And Dr. Karioki is a role model for Mudoni Muritu. So I'm just going to make my way there and uh, have a chat with her. Mudoni Muritu tells Michael about her experience and the life-saving role the project has played for mothers and babies in the Kenyan capital. Um, Wills for Life is it's exactly what we needed. I keep saying it's the beginning of something really great. This will really 
play a huge role in decreasing the maternal mortality rates that we are facing because pregnant women should not be dying because of pregnancy at this particular day and time. And the fact that Dr. Jemima saw a gap and bridged it, I think that's exactly what we needed. Have you seen Wheels for Life actually working practically? I mean, you are basically working here at the main referral hospital. Have you seen the impact that Wheels for Life has had you working here at this hospital? I have met patients who've gotten here at night because they were able to dial 1196 and get through a doctor and get a cab and come to hospital and they say that they'd not have been in hospital had it not been for Wheels for Life. Yes, I've seen it working. These women you've interacted with who've come to the hospital through Wheels for Life, are they women that you have actually assisted in the wards uh, with their pregnancy? There's one I have assisted through her delivery, yes. What was your general experience through that process? Um, the fact that she was able to get to hospital while she was already in labor played a huge role in, I'd say, the outcome would not have been the same had it not been for Wheels for Life. Yes. What do you think the outcome would have been? A grim outcome, perhaps? Yes, a grim outcome, because she was already in labor, she was in, the fetus was in distress, but she got to, to hospital at the right time. And that's thanks to Wheels for Life. As we heard, Dr. Jemima Kariuki hopes that Wills for Life will thrive beyond the pandemic. She also told Michael how she plans to turn her attention to alleviating hardships faced by girls navigating teen pregnancy. You can find out more by heading to the SciDevNet website and the webpage associated with this podcast at www.scidev.net. Today's program was produced by Hyson Lewis and edited by Ruth Douglas with reporting from Michael Kaloki. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with the local radio station. I'm Sally Amutabi. See you again next week. This program was funded by the Carnegie Corporation of New York.